Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up here on Balls.ie, our weekly podcast in association with Labrooks where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend ahead. I'm Mick McCarthy, once again in for Mark Farley on our double show week this, uh, this week. Mark's on holidays. In my chair this time, uh, Gary wrecked my ass groove too much on Monday, but Donnie's promised to make sure that it, it, it remains intact for me next week. Donnie Mahoney, you're very welcome. Is my seat comfortable? It's a beautiful seat, yeah. It's cushy. It's a virtual it's seat, of course. Of course, yeah. No, it's. It, I, I'm quite. I'm very plush here and enjoyed. Uh, uh, thank you for the loan of your seat. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You can have it for the next maybe 45 minutes or an hour because we're going to catch up with Stephen Ferris and talk about the uh, the semi-finals of the Pro 14 this week. Ulster versus Edinburgh, Munster versus Leinster, Munster versus Leinster. Uh, this is good. Rugby season has just snuck up on us a little bit. It's like it's, it's, we suddenly got a semi-final between Munster and Leinster this weekend, playing for the third, second time in three weeks um, as well. So that's really exciting. We'll talk to Stevie about that in a few minutes. We'll get a big shout from you, Donny. You're, you're, you know, we always have to get somebody, you know, me and Mark have had such little success. You're going to be is a big shout 25 to 1 or over and win us win yourself two cakes in a sports biography something myself and Mark have not been able to do for a long time and of course we'll get PJ in and we'll talk about the GEA um, uh, from the weekend it's getting down to the business end of the club championships now and very exciting there's like something every week in the club championships um, that's worth talking about that, that captures the nation's attention so it's been absolutely brilliant um, also you might have missed that there was a certain mention of Ireland's uh, first two games under new manager Stephen Kenny in there. That's because if you look earlier in your feed, we had a bonus show on Monday, Kevin Doyle's return for the new season after, what, about three weeks off, I'd say. And we got uh, we got Kevin on and we talked all about Ireland's games with Bulgaria and Finland this weekend. So you can check that out in the feed. Donny, watch it. Um, are you like super excited about the new era of Irish football and Stephen Kenny's part in the whole thing? I'm very excited. I don't think I've been as excited for an Ireland uh, sort of match or, you know, first, I'm re- like a first team news. I really sense maybe, I, w- I really think it's maybe the for er- early Martin O'Neill era when the sort of trap, when we were trying to get this exorcism of the trap years yeah, gone. And yeah. maybe even going back to Brian Kerr and just the sort of like, this could go anywhere, you know, any kind of mad thing could happen. It's really. I mean, I'm, I know experience tells me that Ireland is always going to be Ireland and it's not going to be that exciting. But we live in, in hope. And I think, you know, maybe this is, uh, there is a chance that things might be slightly different. Yeah. You've, you've actually hit the nail on the head on two things there. One, I kind of forgot about the optimism of the early Roy Keane. Don't forget it. It's not Martin O'Neill. It's the Martin O'Neill Roy Keane era, especially in the early days when it was the very unlikely tandem of the two. And I remember sure. going to, I think our first game was against Latvia. We had like a year of friendlies, I think, before. It was weird. It was a weird time when they took over. And I remember going to land thinking like, this is it. We finally have like full on excitement, something to look forward to. And, you know, it's not as if we did nothing with Martin O'Neill. We went to the Euros and had a great tournament and it was fun. But it all it, it all was a bit kind of still... You know, let's get Wes Hulhan into the team. Our players aren't good enough. So while there was success, there was still a similar attitude that's gone basically since 
you know, possibly the Trapatoni era, all the way through Mick McCarthy's return, Martin O'Neill, where the Irish players aren't good enough. Let's act accordingly and make sure that we play a certain way and become hard to beat and so on and so forth. But Ireland will always be Ireland is the thing that you hit me. I picked one all in the Finland game and one two three when we did it on Monday show. Can't help it. It's it's unconditioned to it. Ireland they're gonna draw one all. But Stephen Kenny doesn't think that way and he does think we're good enough and he wants to expunge the so called British style of football that we've been, you know, lumbered with for generations at this stage. And good God, it's good to hear some positivity from our manager, isn't it? Like whether he's able to uh, to continue that on through actual style of play and actual football and actual positivity going forward through qualifying campaigns and all is waits to be you know we have it remains to be seen. But he was talking about a different style of football. He's talking about positivity and he's talking about Ireland imposing themselves on a game. Yeah, I'm it's flabbergasted. It's yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's borderline. Uh, insane that's somebody (laughs) (laughs) that you would look at that sort of that the list of players I mean there's some exciting kind of young talent there but at the end of the day um, like our best four players are are our four defenders and but to hear you you know to hear Kenny talking I think in a way he's he's talking to the he's got these sort of these in the the sort of fanboys almost who are just like, he knows that there's people who want to hear this, who, and I, I think in the heart of every Irish football fan is this wild hope that we possess, um, you know, uh, I guess a, a kind of a, a, a sort of a brilliance and, you know, that we want to like let, like play football that is uh, watchable. And, you know, if we lose, you know, that we, we, we die with our hearts on our sleeves and all this kind of thing. I don't know if like, I'm not sure if it's the best strategy for his long-term career, but I would like <laughs> to see, um, I, you know, I want to see him try and I want to see what happens. And it's kind of a great thing that we have the, these, these Nations League fixtures, which under O'Neill and Keane and seem so kind of pointless and weird. Now it's like, you know, watching Ireland is legitimately exciting for the first time. Yeah. Probably, you know, the World Cup qualifying and, I don't know, like, I, who knows really what um, will happen, but it's, you know, I, I do think, I think Kenny has a plan, and I do think he has buy-in at least to start uh, from his players, uh, and having, you know, Damien Duff and Keith Andrews there in, in his background team, I think will give him a kind of um, uh, legitimacy with them, and, I, you know, I think, like, let's see, let's let's try and, and see where we go. I, I'm just interested to see what, what kind of players he, he picks and picks yeah uh, that's going to be the big thing tomorrow as to what what ends up being the team i kind of I, I disagree in some ways like as in i think that you can uh, like a certain level of players in ireland have good players we have premier league players can play any kind of way really they're very very good professional footballers and when you see ireland who have been declared not good enough for so long now being outplayed and have Georgia having 65% of the ball against us and stuff like that. Georgia aren't better players than what we have, but it's been a mentality for so long that we're not comfortable in the ball or we can get caught. So I think that can all change pretty quickly. It's just whether the players buy into it. And that's why I think that whole British culture is very important. It's like, it's almost coming over and saying straight away is like, you know, we have deficiencies 
therefore we have to do a certain way and that's how you know unless you're the very very best in the Premier League you have to be this kind of way so I, I fundamentally actually disagree with that and I think Kenny does too my worry is the buy-in because all those lads have been coming over for so long and have and that's why it's so important that we have this young generation coming through of lads who believe in themselves and it's more than what we just see it's a really really strong under 21 team that's been picked and it's even guys again um maybe below like the likes of Ryan Manning and all who aren't in this squad who might be in the future so there's lots of optimism there and I refuse to be anything but optimistic until kickoff (laughs) three minutes into the match on Thursday night and then we can all go back to our usual grim uh, prospects for Irish football conversations but um, look everyone can look forward to that it's on tomorrow night a lot of people will be listening to this podcast as it's already been happened and we might sound like fools but uh, either way I hope um, I hope everybody enjoys it again go back and listen to Kevin Doyle's uh, very very good insights he talks about like how, how you know about the style of play stuff he talks about um you know even just a small thing like of him naming a 23 man squad and how much kevin hated the idea of a 35 man squad and how it was completely pointless and it didn't feel like any kind of an honor to be called up for your country etc he talks about the michael obafemi situation he talks about um you know, where we go uh, with Coleman versus Doherty, all of that kind of stuff. Well worth a listen. Go back and have a listen to that. Um, but I think it's time for us to move on to other sports. We've got rugby and GEA to talk to talk about and a huge weekend of rugby with the Pro 14 semi-finals. As I said, on Saturday night, we've got Leinster versus Munster at the Aviva. Then Ulster go to Edinburgh. Uh, sorry, that's on Friday night. And on Saturday night, Ulster go to Edinburgh for the other semi-final. And... I've been speaking to Stephen Ferris, and let's hear from that now. Right, delighted to have Stephen Ferris on the show, as we always do. Stevie, um, how are you? It's not the, not the greatest uh, day outside. It's a uh, miserable L <laughs> back to school. It's the opposite of normal back to school weather, but um, we do have, it does feel like rugby weather, though. That is the, that is the strange thing. So we've got uh, Pro 14 semifinals this week, and sure, like if, if the games in the Aviva and in Murrayfield are played in. Uh, in this kind of weather, at least we'll kind of, again, our, our, our journey back to normality kind of continues, you know. But uh, it's two interesting games this weekend, I have to say. I um, We'll start with Ulster and Edinburgh. Um, Ulster's performance, again, we're kind of continuing on the conversation we had from last week, really. We knew that both games didn't matter, but you'd be seriously worried about a lack of form going into the games that now do matter, starting this weekend. Yeah, definitely, Mick. I'm exactly the same as you. I'm looking out the window here and it's absolutely teaming at down. So whoever was uh, shouting for summer rugby, um, I know <laughs> it's just coming into the autumn now, but summer rugby, the weather has been pretty brutal. But um, I think it's due to be okay this weekend. The, the forecast looks looks okay. Um, two big stadiums, two big pitches, like the Viva Stadium there last weekend. The pitch is in immaculate condition. So it's not like it's going to be the middle of December, pitches being cut up and everything. So you would still you would still expect a high level of, of rugby for sure in these semi-finals. Um, but yeah, to go back to, to what you're talking about, I think it's more a lack of confidence um, with this Ulster team. We know what they're capable of. Pre-lockdown, they probably were the team to beat. Um, everybody was talking them up. I know we have suffered a, a, a few injuries. Mm. Um, the likes of Balakun, who's torn his hamstring off the bone. 
Um, Will Addison, who is always very dangerous when he's fully fit, but we haven't seen that for ages. Um, and then you have Stockdale, who went off with a contusion there at the weekend. Anybody who's listening doesn't know what a contusion is. That's more or less a dead leg or a really bad dead leg, a hematoma, um, probably in the quad. So, um, yeah, there, there was him. And then, obviously, uh, Jordy Murphy went off as well with an HIA, Stuart McCluskey. There's, uh, so, yeah... Building think, up and Henderson. Yeah, well. yeah. You just you just don't want all this negativity before you go into a, a semi final. You want like you know, I'm, I'm sure Leo's going. Yeah, everybody's flying fit. Yeah, if he's not fit, sure. Ed Byrne, you know, man of the match nearly at the weekend. He yeah. can come in and do a job for us. Where Ulster seemed to be like very reliant on two or three lads. Um, like imagine if Kutsia or, or you know Stockdale or McCluskey didn't make it like you know it, it would really be a body blow so we'll see but it's a one-off game um mm. and we just never know what can happen but at the minute uh, a long-winded answer to your question Mick is is that confidence seems to be the bigger issue uh, and more belief and of course the stats in the record books don't lie when Ulster get the playoffs you know they don't particularly have a good record either this is it, like, you know, so last year was, a, I think, a 30-point defeat at the same stage to Glasgow was the first time they'd got to the semi-finals in quite a while. But, you know, I think on the back of last year, everybody was willing to kind of give that a bit of a pass in that it was a positive first season for McFarland. They played well against Leinster in the quarterfinal. Things go, in the Heineken Cup quarterfinal, things go differently in that game. You know, maybe you kind of have a big shock in your hands. You go on a big European run. Then maybe they just don't get up for it in the way they should once they come back around to the to the Pro 14 semi-finals. Disappointing result. Everyone says, okay, there's a lot of progress being made here. And then you come out this year, and exact that is exactly proven. Ulster are flying it. They're clearly the second best team after challenging Leinster in, in, in that conference of the Pro 14, flying in Europe, everything, et cetera, et cetera. Everything looks good. But suddenly you find yourself in the exact same position. And if things don't pick up, you have to question the progress after two years then. You know, it's like, so again, maybe injuries yeah. are the factor, maybe everything's the factor. But this becomes a massive, massive couple of weeks for not just Ulster, but like for the the the, the project that McFarland is trying to undertake there. Yeah, like, but Mick, I suppose you got to gauge, like, what's, what's a really successful season for Ulster this yeah. year? Is it, is it to win the Pro 14? Um, I don't know. They all probably set their own goals as teams and individuals. But, like, let's call it how it is. Ulster are not the best team in the league. They're mm. not the best team in Europe. So, for me, success this season is trying to build on what they achieved last year. Um, and when they get to the semi-final stage, that they don't crumple. That they do run Edinburgh close or they do get a victory and then... You know, they run Leinster close and they put in a good showing and then they can build on that for next season. But to where they currently are at the minute, <clears throat> it's hard to have confidence as a fan um, considering, you know, they've won one uh, away game out of seven so far this season. Um, even though they beat uh, Edinburgh last year away from home in, in, in the Pro 14, the odds and everything is stacked against them. Like So, yeah, like it, it's what you gauge success for the yeah. season. But fans want trophies. Fans want wins. Like, I've watched Ulster over the last 10 years and have been parts of squads over the last 10 years that if you don't win a trophy or you don't get the knockout stage or you do get the knockout stage and you get hammered, that the coach is gone. Like, you know, David Humphreys got rid of um, Brian McLaughlin and he brought us to the European Cup 
final. We got hockeyed in the final. Brian McLaughlin, see you later. Mm. 18 months later, Mark Anscombe, see you later. You know, I, I think, I, th- I think, does McFarland have breathing space? Does he have like three, four years to kind of go, oh, we're going to build something and we're building this team in X, Y, and Z? Yeah. He probably doesn't, you know, and, yeah. and like he'll be sitting down with the rest of his coaching staff saying, guys, we need to put in a, an effort here to try and win something this season. Um, they've given themselves a chance. Um, but yeah, it just feels, Mick, that every year you kind of go, Ulster are a really good side when they're fully mm. loaded. Um, no injuries and all the rest of it. But are they better than some of the other teams in both competitions? Probably not. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the reality of it, eh? So it's, it's about kind of finishing the season um, and not kind of crumpling rather than necessarily winning things, but progress would yeah. be possibly getting to the same stage, but doing it in a leave everything out on the field kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose like the quarterfinal against, against Leinster in the European Cup yeah. where they had opportunities to win the game. Yes, they didn't get the game um, put to bed. But like everybody was talking about Ulster up up around Belfast um, about you know the showing that they put in and how important that was for Ulsteropia as a brand going forward mm. and like it was a serious effort and I think you, you need to see more of that um, and unfortunately over the last couple of weeks we just haven't been able to see it have yeah. we? No, absolutely not. That and again, that's the worrying thing. But briefly, would you, you know, it's not to dismiss the Pro Fourteen or anything like that. But would you take, you know, a strong performance, looking like it's getting back to 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 some more cohesive rugby, followed by maybe some injuries coming back, if it meant, you know, Toulouse were able to be to be attacked at full strength in two weeks' time? Would that be more desirable? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I Stupid don't know. question. Would you would you yeah. lose a game to win a game? <laughs> of course I would. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you would. Yeah, yeah. Like I think with the squad depth that Ulster have, they if they feel a half strengthened or full strength team, it feels like they're more or less giving up the game. Um uh where like but Henderson isn't gonna be back. No. Like, you know, he's the captain of the team. I think you just go out there, you play who's in form. Um, you don't just pick guys because of reputation or what they've done previously in their career. You pick guys who are on the money. Um, at last weekend's game, Leinster versus Ulster, like I was watching it with amazement at some stage. Now I didn't say it in commentary, but there there was a lot of parking up at breakdowns, making the rocks a little bit longer for box kicks instead of getting into that chasing line, putting in massive hits, trying to get turnovers ramping up the energy and the physicality and it just felt like not that not that they give up in the game that not, not at all they didn't they, they stuck in there for sure but it was almost like it was almost like they were happy enough just to like just go through the motions at times mm-hmm. um and yeah that was disappointing to see and like I'm sitting up in the stands the coaching staff will identify things during the week that they weren't happy with um, and I'm sure the, the especially Dan won't be happy with some of the things that, that he's seen and, and that's what you've got to work on for this week that's the team selection that you've got to make that's going to make that little bit of a difference yeah. um, and sometimes fuck it like it's, it's about who wants it more like you know and, and that's the bottom line somebody said to me um, said oh if you were to give a, a really young up and spar uh, up and coming 
inspired young lad a speech, you know, about trying to make it as a professional rugby player. And I think I said this to you before, maybe. What, what would you say to him? And I'm like, well, you can have all the skills, all the ability you want, but if you don't have a set of balls in the heart, forget about it. And, like, it's so true. Like, you know, in the game of rugby, if you don't have this and you don't have it downstairs, forget about it. Um, and I think that'll be talked about a little bit over this week. But as I go back to it, Ulster have the ability to do this. They do. They have the players. McCluskey could see it. Like, Jesus, lads. Like, how many times, how many carries are they going to make each? How many metres are they going to make? Like, could see it as more or less a one-man wrecking ball. He needs help from a six to, to, to sure up. You don't have Henderson there to help out with the carrying. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm not going to write Ulster off. I do think that the stats and everything, um, Edinburgh are massive favourites for mm. this. Um, it was a dead rubber last weekend. But I'm not writing Ulster off because they do have the capabilities to create chances. And if their big game players turn up like they have done week in, week out, um, yeah. you just never know. Yeah. Edinburgh, like, there'll be people listening to this who don't know a huge amount about them because they've been in doldrums almost for for a good few years now you know but they've been kind of reinvented almost a little bit under under Richard Cockrell people will you know maybe see them in the odd pro 14 game but there's a lot of people will watch Heineken Cup will watch uh, Irish teams mainly and you know and will watch uh will watch internationals and might not know kind of what level they're at this is a like a, a seriously good like the possibly would they be on a par with the Glasgow team from maybe three four years ago would you say or are they still kind of proving that I think they're still trying to, still proving that. I think Richard Cockrell, um, by all accounts, he's a real tough uh, taskmaster. Um, the lads, the lads like playing for him, obviously, but it's it's bloody tough. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're walking in every day with a smile on your face to training and every everything's you know happy day. I think he he really challenges guys week in week out, and uh, obviously we you and I have. I've chatted the lads and been in press conferences where you probably see, say the same about Joe Smith. Like the lads weren't super excited to get in and in the Ireland camp, like and you know couldn't wait to, to work under Joe. But they he brought the best out of them, um, and he demanded such high standards. So I think they're they're sort of getting to that stage. I still think they have to prove themselves. Um, like they should have beaten Munster in the European Cup. Like um, if it hadn't have been for. A couple of silly penalties towards the end, but um, yeah, like they're, they're a good side, and <laughs> I might get a bit of slagging for this, but they're used to playing in an empty stadium, like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it won't it won't make too much of a difference to them, um, and yeah, I, I think every Edinburgh fan will just be hoping that they turn up. I think it's a player a number of years ago, Mick. Anytime we were drawn away to Edinburgh, it was, we were almost excited because we knew that they gave us so many opportunities. If we yeah. played reasonably well, generally we come away with a win. Mm. Um, but that's just changed massively the last couple of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good to see those Scottish teams like always uh, at least being able to compete because it was kind of so weak for for a long time. But obviously, you want them to just maybe just park their progress a little bit for one, for one more week. That's at 25 to 8 on Saturday night. Before that same time on Friday night is a pretty big occasion. Uh, the third year in a row, unbelievably, that Leinster and Munster have met in the Pro 14 semi-final. 
you're talking about will to win and heart and balls and everything like that. And the thing I'm almost thinking of is like, you know, you'd imagine certain Leinster players, you know, lose a meaningless game and they're probably sulking for a week on the bus home. And, and they do seem to have that. And I think that tells in 23 wins in a row. And, you know, even the performance, you know, a lot of players, Scott Penny, um, Frawley, these boys, you mentioned Ed Byrne, he's captain in the team. And it's like Ross Byrne, guys that you know are there but suddenly you know they're given their opportunity and it's just this conveyor belt of the the standards don't drop you know maybe maybe they couldn't go out and beat Saracens but they can go and win a pro 14 game and it really is just so difficult for everybody else you're talking about if Ulster lose five or six players but how do you compete with a Leinster team who can generally put out any of 45 guys and still be probably the best team in the Pro 14. It's really an unbelievable standard that they've set, isn't it? It's an unbelievable standard, but you watch the game at the weekend against Ulster, like, and, like, they weren't, they weren't brilliant, like, you know. Sure. They were just They won solid. easily, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were just solid. Their ball retention is so good in the final third. Um, I think I said the stat on TV, it was 24 tries this season plus over seven phases. So that just shows the continuity that they have. And a bit like Saracens, like, what, 50, 60% of those tries are like pick and goes from one yard out, where they just dominate and outmuscle the opposition. Um, like, they weren't making line breaks for fun against Ulster. It's not no. like they were getting them on the outside. They didn't shorten them up that much. And they went 13-0 up, and then they played um, around the halfway line, box kick, um, more or less just wearing you out. Um, mentally rather than physically um, just with the, the, the way they, they played the game then Ulster got within a score and they go right we'll hold on we'll just jam it up another gear here and uh, you know put the icing on the cake with that last mm. try and what a fantastic last try it was so yeah I think coaches sit and look at Leinster and analyse them and say they're very beatable like, we can beat you know, them all, yeah, yeah. we can beat them we but just why, never why? do <laughs> yeah we just never do so um like 40-odd percent possession against Munster a couple of weeks ago. Munster played all the better rugby, um, looked much more dangerous, but Leinster come out on top and get the win. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a, a value of riches down there in, um, in in Dublin at the minute. There's so much competition for places. Maybe that's bringing out the best in the players. Uh, you don't really have that at Ulster, like, you know, could see you like who, who's a better player at number eight in, in Ulster than could see you? Nobody. Um, mm. is Jack is Jack Conan better than Deegan? Is Deegan better than uh Penny? Is Penny better than Connors? Is Connors better than Van der Fleer? Is Van der Fleer better than Dan Levy? Levy? It's, just like, <laughs> it's just like, right, lads, come on, <laughs> you know. Like Dan Levy's coming back after however long he's out and he was in the warm up and everyone was delighted to see him, and you're thinking to yourself, like. You know he's got a he's got work to do to get back into this team, and we're there thinking about can he get back? You know he's he's going to be back in the Ireland team. It's like there could be two guys ahead of him at Leinster already. You know it's 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 insane. But you're 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 so right. Um, Munster though, because uh, run out of time is you know such a weird match at the weekend. You know with the two sendings off and so many yellow cards the first half. I think I heard a stat that the first half took an hour. You know forty minutes took sixty minutes. Um. I want to talk about like some of the things they did well, though. Ty Byrne being back, obviously losing Snyman's a disaster, but Byrne and Witcherly worked well together, having him back looking like he's already kind of like somewhere near his best. And what you were talking about last week with Conway 
and the form he's in, Earls looks electric as well. Can I ask how much of that is to do with someone like Hanrahan as a kind of a running, I'd almost call him a backs out half. Would there be, is that something that you guys would have thought of as, as you know, different out halves that you'd play with as like, oh, this is, this is our guy. He's going to be, he's, he's playing for the forwards today. Whereas another guy has got the, the wingers and the full back are, you know, clapping their yeah, hands going, I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get my short thirty today. Well, prime example is Ogara and Sexton. Like yeah. Ogara, when you're playing with Ogara, you knew he was going to put the ball in behind teams, <laughs> kick the ball an awful lot more. Um, Johnny seemed to get the back line moving moving better. So, yeah, of course, there's there, there's differences in the way that the out-halves played. Um, I was just happy with playing with O'Gara because the ball seemed to be out of play a lot more. So I used to get <laughs> a, <laughs> a, few, a few more deep breaths in. Um, but, yeah, like JJ's done extremely well. His kicking percentages are really high. It gives him confidence, gives the team confidence. Tag burn man of the match at the weekend. Um, I think a big one with the breakdown rules – it's probably been talked about all week, like, you know, CJ Stander, Peter Romani, Tag Byrne, uh, Clute, you know, they're so good at getting over the ball, so good at disruption. Um, and Leinster are going to have to be on their game. I think, I think losing Snyman and losing Kilcoyne up front, it does weaken them significantly. And at times in the first half, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Leinster did, you know, scrum them a good bit. They mauled them yeah. um, at times throughout the game. So if they can stick to their power game, they, they, they should get on top of Munster. But like Munster stand up and fight. We all know what it means to them. It's a semi-final. Um, like the, the Peter Romani epitomizes what, what they're all about. Um, Five-day turnaround also to be talked about, Mick, because I'm sure there's tired bodies, fatigue, even though we're only early on in the season after the yeah. big break. But um, yeah, like again, you just fancy Leinster because they're they're just riding this wave and there's this invincibility about them. Um, and yeah, there's going to be, what, probably 15 changes again uh, mm. from last weekend. Most guys getting a two-week break from game to game. So yeah, yeah you, you'd have to go with Leinster. But um, I'm, I'm excited about this game mm. because I think Monster Monster are going to cause them a few issues. That's it. You could see, like, you can't back against Leinster. We couldn't even back against Leinster to, for it to be close. But Munster do have the capabilities, as you were suggesting a couple of weeks ago before that game, which they, which proved you're right. They do have the capabilities to damage them in a way that not not every team does. Yeah, they do. Um, and that's the exciting part about this match. Like, every Munster fan will be getting into this match with expectation, but also a little bit of hope. Um, that Leinster don't turn up. Like, there's only really been one game that Leinster haven't turned up this season, and they they won three nil. Like um, any other team probably would have <laughs> any any other team would have given probably beaten them that day. So yeah, uh, yeah like Leo Cullen has got has got his team really ticking over, um, and I think that just comes down to this competition for places. Like it is absolutely frightening. Um, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if, if if there was a couple of the lads played at the weekend actually started this game because of their individual performances, or the likes of Harry Burns maybe on the bench, or you know something yeah. like yeah. something like that. So uh, yeah, um, obviously can't wait sec- can't wait to see Sexton and Witcherly if they get back at each other's throats from a couple of years ago down in Thoman. So mm-hmm. hopefully a bit of spice to the game, um, and it's an enjoyable spectacle for all of us. Like. Great stuff, you'll be there. Just to show you how long ago that 3-0 win was, and I'd forgotten that it was this season. I was in the oh, pub geez. when that match was on, Stevie. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when we were allowed in the pubs for a pass. 
without a substantial meal as we need as we need to have it here. Okay. Uh, listen, Stephen, thanks very much. Enjoy Thanks. the game. I know you. I know you'll be at you'll be at Leinster Munster. You'll be watching both of them, and we'll catch up with you next week ahead of the final. Cheers, Mick. Appreciate it. Great stuff there from Stevie. We'll catch up with him next week ahead of the final. Um, look, some interesting points there, Donny. And like, I mean, some of the stuff on Ulster, especially, was like really hard hitting. It'll be so interesting to see how they get on on Saturday night and whether or not you know that uh, the fears that Stevie has there are um, you know proved true or whether or not they've just been taken two days off. But one thing that I didn't talk to him about that I, I I've been saving for you actually because I think you might join me in in my pet peevishness here for this one. But when Leinster played Ulster on, when I turned on the TV first, I thought there was something wrong with my color, but Leinster traditionally the blue team of Ireland, Ulster were white and red, Connacht were green, Munster were red. Okay. That's, that's the way it is. It's the way it's been for generations. And I'm watching the game at the stadium and Leinster are wearing their beautiful, all kind of wine slash claret sort of purpley kit against Ulster who are in their traditional garb. And I'm thinking, what? This is wrong. I don't care how many Canterbury jerseys you need to sell. You wear your home jerseys at home. It, does tradition mean nothing to you people? I mean, it looked oh. like, I, again, you got, I understand that, you, you know, the, the kit sponsors want to sell some, some jerseys here. But, like, this particular one, I think, is, would, has offended some people it, because it sort of, it looks like you, had, you took an Ulster jersey and then you took a lot of different colored clothes and you put them in the laundry. And then you put, all of a sudden your white jersey has become kind of all the colors have ran onto it. And now you've got a purple jersey and you've just got to wear it because you've got nothing else to wear. Um, I see, like, I just think, like, you sound conservative as a person when you're talking, when you, when you're, you sound afraid of change when you're, when you're talking yeah, about, like, yeah, you fair. know, defending the, the traditional kits. And people are like, well, look, it's 2020. Let's move on. Let's try different things out. But I just think, um, sport is a lot about familiarity and about custom and really a home team, especially a home team needs to be wearing their home colors at home. Otherwise, like what else do we, what else does, what else is sport? If, if, you know, we lose our sort of anchor to the world. If the home team doesn't wear the home colors, especially in Leinster's case where it's an, you know, it's iconic blue. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing else. I see they were training this week in a sort of camouflage training top. And that's fine. Keep those sort of funny, jokey kits to the training to the training ground. Maybe the sort of maybe if you're on, in an away match with some team with clashing colors, you know, sample that out. Yeah, no problem there. But you're at home. Uh, where where are your own kit? It's gone beyond the joke. I remember there was a Champions League match. Was it two years ago? And I think it was a semi final. Real Madrid and somebody else. Two teams that absolutely had no color clash whatsoever. I think maybe it was PSG. And both of them were wearing their away kits. You know, yeah. it was like, so I think PSG were wearing white against Real Madrid. Yeah. You know, and it was just, and this was just like, uh, it, it annoys me so much. This is just a little pet peeve. It really, in the ultimate grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter a damn, except for the fact that it does feel like commercialism sometimes just wins out over, you know, mm. tradition and over, you know, sport. I suppose, and that's it, it's always a grim thing to people. I'm ranting, Donny. I'm ranting, and you know what? You're going to bring me back down to earth because up next, I'm going to get your big shout, and you are finally going to win this show: two cakes and a sports biography. All right, hold it! Dave. Just hold it, Alan. Push him out. Steady, David. Don't. 
Get round! No, don't! Bloody! Big shout time. It's your chance to win yourself two cakes and a sports biography by sending us a bet on ladbrooks.com of 25 to 1 or over for the sporting weekend ahead. And if it comes off, you will win the coveted prize of two cakes and a sports biography. You don't even have to put on the bet. Just send it to us and do so, please, before any of the games have taken place so we can verify that everything is above board. Uh, Two people have done it so far over the course of over a year, so it's not been the most successful thing so far. But nobody on the show has done it. Me and Mark generally take a week-on, week-off approach. Mark was way off last week. I mean, he had Verstappen to win. Uh, I don't think he got anything right. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think he got anything right. He possibly got an, uh, Celtic to win at halftime and full-time. That was it. He did, Max Verstappen didn't win. Uh, Roy McIlroy didn't even finish in the top 10, even though he looked really good for a while. I still think it was a good pick. And he had something else that went our ways as well. I think Hibbs and the Aberdeen um, to be a draw or both teams to score or something like that. So we're not coming off the best week. Donnie, we're handing the reins over to you this week. What you got? Okay. Um, well, first I want to just say that this is only a three bet accumulator that's good i like it smaller the better exactly but very big odds so that probably makes that that the signs are that it's not going to happen this is a massive shout then not bigger than your average big shout bigger than your normal big shout um i'm going to start in sophia uh tomorrow thursday night um mick we've mentioned this before how in one two three this week you picked a one all draw with ireland and finland and Mm. i just can't Ireland playing Bulgaria. I know we haven't seen Stephen Kenny play uh, uh, or field a team yet, and we haven't seen his Ireland team out there. But I think when in doubt, you can rely on an, uh, on a Ireland one all. Oh draw. wow! No, I think we're going to win this three or four nil. Oh wow! On Thursday night, okay. But I like it. What are the odds for a one all draw? Uh, Nineteen to four. Nineteen to four. Okay. Bulgaria, we, hopeless. Donnie. <laughs> now we we did beat Bulgaria pretty handily. Last time, uh, when they came to Viva last year, yeah, I think. and but I'm just flashing back to the was it the is it Euro 2012 qualifiers, maybe the 2010 World, World Cup qualifiers when Ireland played against Bulgaria, and it was a pretty tough game. Richard Dunn scored a goal, I think, to level things, um, yeah, the, the, the Berbatov era. So to me, Ireland games away are never easy and rarely, Fair enough, yeah, yeah, rarely in the victory. So I'm going one all there, maybe if. Maybe maybe question that bet there, but but you'll never go far wrong back in one all in Ireland. Exactly. Matches. Okay, right. So that's the starting point. Okay, so look, I don't mean to be funny. I I want us to win this big shout, but I hope by Friday morning this bet is dead. I really do. I want. Okay. To, I, I need some. Uh, I need some positivity in Irish football. But if it is to go, how are you going to salvage that disappointment? If we draw one all, you're going to salvage that disappointment that we're all going to have on Friday morning with your next two picks and winning. A big shout, finally. Yeah. Just as good as uh, Ireland winning the match. So, I'm sticking with, for, sticking with international football for my second bet. Um, Iceland and England play this weekend in Reykjavik. They and, um, you know, we can all laugh at that Steve McLaren clip from 2016. Um, and we will laugh. And so the, we should, yeah. This fixture presents us an opportunity to, to watch that clip about 200 times. But you can imagine that the England players, especially the the guys who were on that in that squad yeah. in France, uh, have been thinking about that that game for a long time, uh, and are eyeing revenge against the the Icelanders, and that they don't appreciate that that Viking clap at all. 
Um, if we can, if we know anything about England under Southgate, is that they score a ton of goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they against like just going through some of their recent results: four goals against Bulgaria, five against Kosovo, six against Bulgaria, seven against Montenegro, four against Kosovo. They score all, like they score at will. So um, and they always play mediocre teams. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think they've ever had like an actually challenging qualifier uh, in any sort of. Yeah, ever <laughs> since ever. since Holland knocked them out in 1994, they yeah. haven't had a tough group yet. There was that one time when Croatia knocked them out from Europe. Oh, in 08, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, so like that's just the blip. That, that maybe once every ten years they draw. They they're <laughs> drawn against somebody halfway decent. Anywho, I think England over 3.5 goals at seven to two is pretty handy bet. Uh, I haven't. I'll be honest. I've been following Iceland's progress too. No, too they've, they've gone backwards a lot now. In, in fairness, they're kind of slipping down the world rankings again. Um, they didn't qualify uh, for your 2021. So, hold on. Explain this to me. England to win by more than 3.5 goals or to so, score? score over 3.5 goals. Okay. So the result isn't even in question. So, I think I think that's handy enough. You know. And what's the price? Seven to two. Okay. I look. That was another one-two-three game. Both myself and Gary went for four-nil to England in that one. Uh, so look, we're all on the same page, and whether we're right or not is a completely different point. But uh, mm. yeah, like I think that England will kind of one. I think they're a lot better than Iceland too. They're secretly, not even secretly, but I suppose dread in a dreading way for Irish people, which is bad in its own way but it's the truth uh they're very good at the moment <laughs> and we have to accept it and yeah. maybe embrace it i don't know uh so i think they're going to hammer iceland um so i think that's a that's a, that's a good one this is going to be a huge shout donny this is you're looking at nearly 25 to one of those two alone what's your third one then the third one is uh i'm finishing on the rugby field lancer monster this weekend um i know lens i know monster kind of put it up to lancer a bit and that when they played two weeks ago and there's only a few points in the difference. But yeah. I just think Leinster are just sort of like kind of, ter- you know, they have a lot of more gears in them and they, they have such a deep squad uh, and the potential of some interesting players playing on Friday. So I have Leinster minus seven at 10 to 11. Um, okay. Taking the handicap there. I think, I think they'll do a job. I don't know if Munster have the depth to, you know, to go three huge weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Leinster's, like just their the, the talent in their squad will just uh, will see them through on on Friday night and see that I think that's a comfortable like ten to fourteen point win for them. So yeah. I would that that gives me odds make of forty eight to one for my picture. whoa forty eight to one. Okay, right. Well, that is a huge <laughs> shout. I have to say, on Lancer, like as we were talking to Stevie about it earlier, like he he mentioned Munster of a five day turnaround, and if you look at the team that actually went out for Lancer against Ulster. It's got for the players that are actually going to play this week. It's a fourteen-day turnaround from yeah. from their game um, against Munster two weeks ago. You know, so that is another reason to be looking at that as a as a good pick. I don't hate your picks. I feel like that should be less than forty-eight to one. What you've gone for here? So you yeah. go for the specific result in a football game. Always, always will get you the good odds. Um, okay, right. So uh, Ireland to draw one all with Bulgaria nineteen to four. England to score three point five goals over three point five goals against Iceland seven to two and Leinster minus seven against Munster on Friday night ten to eleven. So we keep we keep us interested all weekend if any of them come off. Um, they're well spread out over the weekend. Forty eight to one. That's his big shout. He can win two cakes in a sports biography. If you want to do the same, email us your big shout to the gaffer at balls.ie and we'll um, if you win, we'll talk about it on next week's show. 
don't forget if you're having a bet of any kind uh, this weekend um, please do so responsibly it's all just a little bit of fun and visit dunlouis.net for more information up next we're going to get PJ on and we're going to talk about the weekend's GA right PJ is with us for some GA chat it's about times actually the club championships are getting really really exciting now we're getting down to finals semi-finals quarter-finals at the very least across football and hurling so there's a lot going on and um, we'll talk about some of the highlights from last week and some of the uh, some of the games to look out for this week uh, as people definitely start I think people are kind of getting into that point where they're you know those who haven't tuned in from now are getting to the stage where they might start looking into the business end of championships but that's that's like actually what I wanted to talk about first was there's definitely seemed to be a bit of a momentum this week they've been talking about it for a long time but a momentum for the GA to go and make a decision and say look from next year on or whenever it is that they do it we need to have this club window uh, in the summer and have county teams completely taken out of the equation. So not give them April club month or whatever like that, but have maybe the county championships played off by the middle of July and then move on to club for the rest of the year. PJ, you've been watching a lot of club hurling football over the last few months, a um, few weeks anyway. And I think you've really, really enjoyed it. And it's given you nearly a new lease of life and kind of your GEA fandom in a way. Is this something that you think is, like, it's, we think it's probably definitely fair to the club player and probably needs to be done. But do you think it takes away too much from the GEA calendar for the Irish sporting fan, I suppose? So, you know, the, the Irish, it changes the Irish sporting calendar probably too much. Yeah, it does. Um, because... Most people aren't really interested in Club GA. They're, they're like they'll be interested in their their local championships, but that doesn't really kind of I guess catch the image, the kind of imagination, kind of nationwide. Like you, you'll see, like when it gets into like in the in the usual year, like September, like October, November, like there are games on TG Car, but for for the most people, like the, the club season, like the the J season is over. Yeah. In September. Um, like, I, I guess it comes down to what the GA wants to prioritize here. Like, you know, is it. Yeah. I, I, I think, like, that it should be about, like, the players and the part- like, participation and that. They, 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 like, what am I trying to say here? The, I, like, I know what you mean. There's clubs up and down the country who've been talking about, like, and you have heard it, like, almost universally, where. It's been a, a new lease on life for the club to have county players especially. One, have games every week and everything like that that would nothing to do with county players or not. But secondly, to have county players in there, training with them every night of the week, not having other commitments that they have to go. So even though they might play these championship games anyway, they're actually there night in, night out. They're fully part of the team. They're not being integrated on a, on a, on a Sunday or whatever. And that that is... It feels like what it's supposed to be. And I think people are finding it very hard to get away from. And my take on that is, like, I have some issues with the calendar and, and the, the almost big bad wolfedness of the, the inter-county, you know, the way everything has been talking about. But you have to say, like, the fact that the GA might be willing to go and do this and to give up, definitely, there'll definitely be commercial losses on this. But for the good of the grassroots game and for the good of the rank and file member would actually be an incredibly refreshing thing to see the GEA do, you know, and I think we all have a worry about the kind of ongoing commercialization of the entire organization, you know, so 
for them to do that would be fantastic. And I, I, I think, I think that's what you're trying to say is that, like, you know, maybe that's that should be the priority rather than the casual fan who, you know, might want to watch the championship on TV and might want to do so all summer. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, think, I think though the re the the reality is that the county season hasn't happened yet. When it does, we'll see the way that captures the imagination, and then I wonder will will it come to will they be willing to give it up once they see it in action? If you know what I mean. Now again, nobody suggested give up Inter County hurling the football, but I do think it's a very good point that you make that. Club GA is never going to be as popular. It's never going to be widely popular among the general GA audience. And I think we have to get ourselves into the position where we say that's okay. You know, I saw a lot of people talking at the weekend about how it's been proven that there's a general interest there over the course of the last few weeks and that it's been proven that if you show it, they will come. And so I don't think it's been proven at all. And I have to say, as much as I've been excited about having loads of GEA on TV and you have I, I still think there's levels there and I think there's I think that the idea of sitting down at five o'clock and watching two clubs that you've never heard of with two players that you've ever seen play before on a Saturday evening when you have other things to be doing it takes a lot of selling for most people mm-hmm. most sports people and that could be because you could be watching something else or because because you go out and do something so I think people need to get that into their head and then accept that and then say it's still the right thing to do but RT aren't going to be breaking record numbers showing that game on a Saturday night. What do you even lose? The thing is, the way that this fixture calendar is at the moment, I mean, you're, the, what, the All-Ireland Football Final should have been taking place last Sunday, the Hurling Final two Sundays previous. So, I mean, it's two marquee fixtures in August with the calendar mostly cleared. The new schedule that has been drawn up has August 1st as the sort of line in the sand between I think so. A few different people have had uh, have had uh, goes at it. I think John Fogarty yesterday, the Irish Examiner, had had a few different ones. But I think one of them would be yeah. I think maybe the end of July or August first being kind of a a good one to look at. So a month ago, say we went when this would have happened. Then yeah. again, you have to remember that it's very very recent that September has been given up as well. That's so it's true. not. It, it will be like a two month move really rather than a than a one month. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think. To me, the just as a fan, the 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 September All Ireland Finals just feel like so natural and the way the world should be. Kind of like if you tried to move Christmas to November or something like that, it just <laughs> wouldn't feel like Christmas anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, anything that could anything that would mean no more discussions on radio shows and <laughs> websites and about podcasts. fixtures, <laughs> yeah, and podcasts about GA fixtures. I think would be so much better for the collective mental health of all GEA people. So I think that would be just a massive step forward. And like the things that the, like, it just seems like such common sense to split it the way they do. And, you know, you have basically like early February through to April for the league. And then, you know, your two week break and you're running to the championship. I mean, I think it'll obviously take getting used to, but actually the common sense of it, once it starts to roll, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So refreshing. Like I, Ultimately, yeah, it'd be great to have, you know, the All Ireland final on the first September of, first Sunday in September. But like, you know, I think we could see that just for a bit of normality and like something fairness. that's fairness, exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, you just have to. I think it's sort of like it's still a huge. The intercounty season basically runs from February to 
to the end that's of your fair, life. That's fair. It's yeah, half yeah. the year, like you know. I still think you're giving up. I, I think you're giving up a lot. I used to like you know. I said like I wouldn't even be getting into the Premier League or in a real, real way until after the All Ireland football final in the past. You know, and you'd be nearly two months into it. But so I do think that GEA gives up a lot of that time, if you know what I mean, in this in that way. But look again, it needs to be done. Sorry, PJ, you were jumping in there. You know, like it's all like the, the intercounty season is totally out of control. Like it just goes on way too long. I mean, it the the the, the intercounty season for starts like in December, like and it doesn't. It, it starts in the previous year now. Yeah. In the way the calendar was, so there was like there's no doubt that had to be had to be reined in. Like it was it was going to happen, and I guess it's like now it's happening probably quicker than we thought it was going to be, mm. and you no know, like. It, like the finances, J will probably take a hit as a result if there are when there are like less intercounty games, but maybe because like the club players will have more certainty about when they're going to play. You're going to have players. You, you're going to retain more players like long term, and in the end, maybe that'll make for a healthier organisation. Because I, I certainly I think I saw stats over the weekend that by their mid twenties, seventy five percent. Of, of GA players had, had had dropped out of the game, which is, which is kind of incredible. Like mm. that. Um, so if they had more certainty, maybe, maybe like players, like that there are other factors in that as well, obviously. Yeah. If you have more certainty about, about when you're going to play, I mean, that would go a long way to, towards yeah. a, a healthier organisation. Okay. We we're heading, we we're heading towards like an appalling vista where the O'Byrne Cup was going to be starting before the All-Ireland Final. Uh, <laughs> so you would have had like like say Dublin in the 2021 All-Ireland Final and then the O'Byrne Cup on the same weekend or something for 2022 and Dublin having to pick two teams and that was where things were heading. We need some sanity. And I, I... Where does the inter-county holiday fit into all of this, lads? Okay, we don't need to answer that now. <laughs> I, I will just say the last thing of this and we'll move on, right, is just I, I do find it kind of sad in a way that this needs to happen because of how far out of control, as you said, maybe it's the inter-county season in terms of all the extra games that they've added, PJ, but it's also in terms of the the manager and the the cult of the the training and the the ownership over players. In that, there's actually no real reason that the two seasons can't coexist and go on as they are, and that there's club weeks and everything else like that. And it is complicated, and it's really complicated when you add it, when you make it you you make it one of the many you know about half the counties that are true dual counties. Um, it becomes, especially at club level, it becomes way more complicated. But it is still workable. It is absolutely manageable. It was for decades, right? But now it just doesn't feel like anymore. And we actually need to have a hard line in the sand and hard and fast rules. And it's just a pity, I think, really, that, that that's the way it's gone. But it is the way it is. Look, there are club championships on at the moment. We, uh, we're still a good while away from county. And they've actually been brilliant. So there was another crazy weekend uh, last week. We had... We weren't surprised to see Ballygunner retain their, their championship, PJ. That's seven in a row for them. But uh, it was kind of in the more early stages of the championships of the, the games that caught your eye. In Waterford, yeah. There was yeah. A, they, they were like, it was a re, Waterford was like, particularly like watching this more, um, they were, they really kind of caught my imagination. They were like really, really high scoring, entertaining games. But by the end of the Waterford Championship, you just saw how much better Ballygunner Award than everybody else. So yeah. much better. Yeah. And it's kind of you know, a pity that there is no there are no provincial championships 
uh, this year. I presume there's going to be none. There's no plans for them. No, but I, I would really, I'd really like to see how far Ballygunner could have gone this year. Could they? Could like they were? I think they were very disappointed that they lost last year to to Bur- to Burchley. and I, I would have been interested to see if they could have like, put up to um, put 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 up to Ballyhale or someone someone this year. But you know. I, I think they'll the, the way they're going. I think they'll be back. They'll be back next year. and They'll be even stronger. So we'll. I think they'll get that chance next year anyway. Um, what else? Uh, like, uh, Friday, Sunday night, finish work. I decided what what'll I do? I'll put on I'll put on another game, and I chose well again. Drum <laughs> an inch against Burslay was an absolutely was bonkers game. It was absolutely insane. Um, it's like so much stuff happened in it that you'd like you'd forget about a lot of it just, just like to get down to like the the kind of the meat of it uh personally we're, we're five points up in the 63rd minute i think it was they scored a goal to go up there were two points up they scored a goal and the, the commentator says well that's it first they into the semi-final uh, he was far from over uh <laughs> Joe Edge got James Callan scored this ridiculous goal from a free. Then uh, David Butler got another goal. So Joe Edge are up by a, from down five points. They're up a point, and Brendan Maher has to hit a 95-yard free with the last puck of the game to equalise and take it the extra time. Then you go into extra time, and kind of both teams. It, it looked like they were going to win it at various stages, and I, I think. Like it ended up going to like a penalty shootout, where you think in a penalty shoot, like in hurling in a penalty shootout, that you know it's you're going to see every every everyone score, everyone yeah. score. But there was like four of the eight penalties were scored. Uh, Brendan Maher, in the, like the the Drummondish goalkeeper Owen Collins, say, actually he actually saved two penalties, and there was another one I think put over the bar. Uh, Brendan Maher ended up who Brendan Maher, who was excellent. Like it was, it's kind of strange that. What, what you might remember from this game is he missed two penalties. He missed one in like regular time. And he missed one right at the very end. But, you know, uh, Owen Collins ended up saving his penalty and Drummond Inch ended up winning a penalty shootout 3-1. Uh, and they're, they're into the Tipperary semi-finals this weekend because uh, it, it just like Burnley, uh, winners last year are out. Turles Arfield, who would have been favourites for this year, are also out. They lost to Nina Oog in the other time, I think it was on Saturday. Uh, Jake Morris, kind of really kind of exciting young Tipperary there. Uh, he, he scored 3 6. He got a 2 3 from play. There was a first half hat trick. If, uh, like, if you were like looking to have a bet on a player for young horror of the year mm. this year, mm-hmm. I, like, I would like, I would say Jake Morris is a, like a super bet because if he, I think he probably he was start he was coming on for Tipperary towards the end of last year, yeah. Um, and I, I, you think he might start it? He went a good chance of starting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. the semi-finals in Tipperary this, are on this weekend. There's a lot more Castle against near near Rogue and Drummond Inch against Kildangan, who were in the final against Burchill last year. Like, yeah, it's such a close championship as well. Like, there's some the, the, all the games always seem to be incredibly competitive and different teams coming through. Lockmore Castellani is the McGrath's as well. Um, yeah. and, and they've had success in the past. So there's actually loads to look out for there um, this weekend. We've gone a good 15 minutes now or so, uh, PJ, and we haven't talked about the Kerry Senior County Championship of Football 
excitement. So, yeah, Is that something the official like that. It, uh, it's, it's something like that. Uh, yeah, there was a really good game at the weekend as well. Well, for, for the most part, really good games. Um, it, like, probably what turned out to be the, the game of the weekend was one which you would have thought would be an easy one for East Kerry but it was like it was far from that in the end they, they ended up winning they won by two points in the end but St. Kieran's really really put it up to them um, kind of like a, a a side which you'd like you'd really like to see more I would like to see more from them this year because they looked like they'd they hadn't had many games together they had one game together before this um, and they ended up really kind of putting up to last year's champions what you would think would be the best team in it what's their um, division there where are they where are they so St. Kieran's would be around uh, Castle Island. So they're okay. Castle Island, Brosna, Scarted Lane. Lots of little villages you probably haven't heard of, Mick. Yeah, uh, so just a lot of junior clubs that might have that, that yeah. are, yeah, and plus Castle Island kind of being their main... Big, big town, town like yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. The, the kind of the, their big main player would be, I mentioned last week, Paul Walsh. The, okay. That would kind of be kind of red uh, curly, curly hair who was a, like the minor star. Uh, a couple of years ago, yeah, they really put it up. These Kerry, um, they they kind of they went up. They were three points up going into the second half water break, and you thought, well, geez, this is like East Kerry are like really, they were really, really up against it. Uh, think Hearns were like winning the midfield battle, um, but think Hearns after that goal, they only scored one more point. East Kerry outscored them, uh, scored one three. Include that was included. Like it was a it was a really good goal by David Clifford. It was. Um, he was kind of it was good work by his brother and kind of Darrell Roach got the ball to him and you think it's this thing where David Clifford he, you think he doesn't have any space what can he do and he somehow he manufactures like he he manufactures himself that space to get a shot off and it was a really good shot in the bottom corner uh, the, the the other like the big talking point from this game was David Clifford being sent off mm. uh, right at the very end his uh, carry were up by two points they were on the attack. Uh, making a way of pitch they looked like David, David Clifford was he was kind of looking for the ball and his marker Brian Leonard looked kind of hard to tell from the foot, from, like from, from the footage um, but these two were kind of going at it the whole game and Brian Clifford looked like Brian uh, Brian Leonard looked like he did a hold of David Clifford's jersey and David Clifford didn't like that in the end and it was kind of he, he kind of pulled him towards him and he it looked like he, he, he needed him referee John Griffin Ended up thinning them off, it, which you know it looked like the right decision. I mean, you, mm. despite it, no matter how frustrated you get with like what's going on off the ball, you really you, you can't go and leave someone. Um, yeah, I, he should be missing. You, you would think he was going to be missing for the uh, for the semi final. Now they're playing. It's a they're East Carrier playing St. Brendan's in the semi final. That's uh, replayed. Those two met in the semi final last year, and the other semi final is uh, Mid Kerry are playing. Uh, Doc Crooks who are yeah. Doc Crooks yeah. are the only club team left in the championship this year right okay interesting yeah, there's a, there's, it actually seems to be like a lot of this weekend thing we're kind of into semi-final in a lot mo- most places most places that haven't kind of divided up the two seasons uh, between Hurling and football the way Waterford and Wexford did are kind of entering into semi-final weekend so it's actually really exciting Donnie you've been looking at uh, what's on TV this weekend Five games, I think, again, is it? I, as far as I know, and PJ could, would know from this for me, it doesn't seem like there's a game on this Friday night, PJ. Is that no, what you're it's, it's quite, I thought there was going to be a TG Carry game, but, um, you know, it doesn't seem like there is. Uh, Ulster and Leinster. Which, which is kind of, 
kind of a pity, I guess, uh, because the, those TG Garrett Friday night games have been really good up to this point. Trill, the game in Tyrone last week was amazing because I, I tuned in for it and I'd forgotten that, you know, you don't think of places in GEA, especially as being Northern Ireland or, you know, the Republic or whatever, and you're kind of going, it took me after about three minutes, I'm like, there's an atmosphere at this game. What's, what's mm. happening here? And there was like, obviously, <laughs> there was the 600 people or whatever. All sitting pretty close to each other, I have to be honest. <laughs> For all the people who are saying, let's get the crowds in, uh, they, they didn't seem to be all that well spread out. But, Jesus, it, it actually really did add to it, especially when watching it in extra time, um, just having the people shouting and reacting to things actually happening in the game uh, was a huge bonus. Then it went to a brilliant penalty shootout. Trillick lost in the Ulster Club Championship last year in a shootout um, for them to win it again. This And some of the penalties were absolutely brilliant. Matty Donnelly, side foot into the top corner, was absolutely brilliant. But anyway, that was uh, was a really, really good game. I, I think you're right. Uh, look, Munster and Lancer's on this Friday, so we won't cry too much, but uh, missing out on that Friday game is definitely a pity. Well, look, if you... Sorry, PJ. If, if you became... If you fell in love with Trillick uh, and their penalty heroics... They're back. ...on Friday night, we got some good news for you because they're back on national TV again this weekend as uh, RT present. A thrilling uh, Tyrone doubleheader as, the, as we have the semifinals of Coal Island versus Trillick at half five throw in, and uh, then Dun- Dungannon and uh, Uruguay Kieran uh, will be on at half seven. That's the Canavans Club. Uh, that will be sort of the main event of the night. So, two exciting games from Tyrone. I guess maybe, I wonder, are the broadcasters thinking, let's get Let's let's head up north because we might get a bit more atmosphere than than you would at an empty stadium. But those Tyrone games, I think the Tyrone club games are fiercely contested, and also some of the more I think the more audacious hairstyles that you're likely to see uh, in GA. <laughs> they're going to be in Tyrone for, for reasons I've never been able to understand. But uh, was it Lee Keegan? Well, not Lee Keegan. Who's the guy? Lee, Lee Brennan. Brennan yeah, he's sporting this. He's kind of the leader of the, the GA hairstyles with this, the sort of Jack Grealish hair clip with that kind of hair flopping over. I don't know what that the, the exact terminology is for that uh, style, but... Um, uh, I, Ke- Ke- Lynch also at the moment has... It's, uh, it's an incredible mop of blonde hair he is going on. Um, I, I really hope it keeps going in, into the winter as well. Uh, it's, it's a pity it's uh, hidden under, his, under a helmet for, uh, for, for, for most of the time as well. What's yeah. happening uh, on Sunday? Sunday, we've got, uh, we're going down to Kilkenny as uh, TG Carr is going to broadcast Clara versus Ballyhale uh, at 2 p.m. And then that's a quarterfinal in the, in the Kilkenny Hurling Championship. And then they're going to f- zoom over to Russ Common for a uh, semifinal between Clannagale and Porrick Pierce's, which I'm sure is uh, well, yeah. ex- exciting, uh, fiercely contested Russ Common football at its finest. Right. And this is actually the Kilkenny County Championship, PJ. We uh we've just that <laughs> despite uh despite protestations from other people that uh Bally Hale's game earlier in the year against uh Tullerone was championship. It was in fact league, but now they're in the quarterfinals of the championship and they need to they can still continue to, to hold on to their title that they've had for mm. so long. Um there was some actually some like really high scores in Kilkenny last week. I think TJ Reid scored something like two sixteen in a game. Uh, and Richie Hogan got something like 16 points on a losing side. Yeah, unreal. There's lots of little stuff like that to look out for. I think I'm with you, PJ, in the tip semi-finals being the, the thing to look out for the most. Um, as much as those games are kind of interesting, uh, 
that are on TV and they'll be easily accessed. What else would you be streaming if you were uh, if you were looking around the country a little bit this weekend? Ah, uh, like a little bit of boys coming out here, Mick. But uh, the Kerry hurling semi-finals. I love it. I love it, especially when it's Kerry hurling. I'll let you talk about that all day. You can. I'll cut you off on the yeah. football every now and then. Yeah, the, the Kerry hurling semi-finals are on are on uh, this this weekend. They're uh, they're both on. They're both on Sunday in Austin Stack Park at uh, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. I'm pretty sure they've been streamed. Uh, Abby Dorney are playing Kilmoyle in the first game. Abby Dorney upset uh, the favourite Lixna in the, yeah. in, in the quarterfinals. Uh, and Kilmoyle are uh, managed by none other than John Moyler. So he has a, he's a kind of a, a long-running association with that club. He's managed them in the past. Actually, uh, an interesting uh, fact about Kilmoyle is when I think it was around 2007 that uh, John Moyler left as manager and who took over but Anthony Daly. Anthony Daly, yeah, yeah. I remember it. <laughs> Has Brendan uh, Cummins been involved with them in the past as well? Brendan Cummins is involved with, he's a selector with the Kerry, uh, with just with the Kerry Senior Harding team. He's, yeah. he's been there, he's been involved there for like a long time. So there are, there is like, um, there are a lot of big names involved in kind of, in, in Kerry Harding, like, uh, yeah. Names you would recognise. Uh, the other semi-final is last year's winners, uh, Causeway, up against uh, my home club at Ballyduff. That is uh, about like a rivalry as close as it gets. Like a very like two neighbouring uh, neighbouring parishes. Um, Ballyduff have the most titles. Uh, they've won more than Kilmoyle, so that should be like a very very interesting game. I like. We're safe Kilmoyle. to get behind Ballyduff on this podcast. No offence to any of the rest of the of, of the clubs in Kerry, but uh, I think we. have with a Ballyduff man on the show, I think we can safely give the build-up endorsement to, to Ballyduff to go and win no, the Irish Championship no, this year. Mike, we're, Mick, we're looking to end, uh, I think it was a, a three-year drought now, so... Uh... <laughs> it's not quite a famine. Given another two no. years, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it famine. Great. Before, before we go, can I just give a quick shout-out to the club commentator of the weekend, uh, yes. Simon Kennedy, uh, sorry, Simon Morrissey, excuse me, whose commentary of the uh, Newtown Chandram Aaron Zone match has gone viral a bit in the last 24 hours. Uh, he, there's, a, there's a player, I'm not sure on, from which club, but he take, hits a sort of last gas point to win the match, and uh, Morrissey just sort of has a brilliant line at the end. And Oh, it's you, you can find it on the Balls Eddie Twitter account. It is... Uh, it is fabulous commentary. It's really been a some, you know, we haven't been able to hear the Marty Morrissey's and the Jared Cannings, unfortunately, this summer. But like, you know, some lads have stepped up and uh, like the kind of the unheralded club player you don't hear much from. The uh, the unheralded club commentator has really uh, earned his earned his gravy this summer. Absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm putting together a post on site for uh, the best uh, kind of local commentary moments of this summer. So I've I've got about four or five so far. So if anybody. I've seen anybody or any suggestions, I would uh, I'd be very welcome to hear them. Please do send them in to the gaffer at Balls of E. And that's along with everything else from today's show, your big shouts and any other comments or anything like that that you have about the show. Enjoy the weekend's GA. There's lots to look forward to um, across the board. If you're looking for, you know, you can easily find streaming from your own county or county that you're interested in if we haven't mentioned it here, but hopefully we've marked your card enough. Also, if you didn't listen to any of the rest of the show, we have Stephen Ferris on talking about the Pro 14 semi-finals and lots more. On Monday, we had a special football show looking ahead to the Ireland matches with Kevin Doyle. You can get that on your feed probably just below this one. So go and listen to that. Um, don't forget, if you're having a bet on anything um, this weekend, just a bit of fun, do gamble responsibly and visit dunlouis.net for more information. I'll be away next week. Mark will be back in the presenter's chair and the lads will be back here as well. 
um, on more from the build-up as we have head to small matter of the Premier League season. Always a fun show. Lots of predictions to make us look foolish in nine months. So I'm glad I'll be missing that. Talk to you next week. Thank you.